Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, this time from Pastor Nick Scott. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. A very good evening to you all, and welcome. Welcome to uh, those of you who are visiting especially, and uh, those who perhaps have just returned from a summer break of some sort. Uh, It's great to have you here with us. Uh, Margie and I uh, are recently back from uh, Cambodia, where uh, a team of 10 of us spent about 10 days visiting our centre up there in Phnom Penh. And uh, it was a wonderful trip, actually. Great to see these kids growing up. If you know anything about the Transform Cambodia ministry up there, you'll know that uh, we began our relationship with these children when they were about five years old, just starting in year one. And our church commitment is to continue to sponsor them and support them and visit them and journey with them at least until the end of high school. So it's a 12-year commitment, and uh, hard to believe, but we're about halfway through that commitment now. So these little ones who began sort of at five years old, having to walk along with their hands on the you know, shoulders of the kids in front, now they're uh, approaching those teenage years and uh, growing in stature, growing in faith, growing in their understanding of God, and uh, growing in their uh, ability to speak English, which is also uh, very important. One thing I would say is that uh, if you are a sponsor, you know, uh, the kids just long to hear from you. You wouldn't believe the difference that it makes. And, uh, you know, time after time, we'd approach these kids and they come running up to you and they've got the name of their sponsor on their name tag and they say, do you know my sponsor? And uh, very often I'm able to say, yes, I know. Does your sponsor write to you? No. I think, oh, oh, really? Uh, but, but hey, I get that. I've been, a, I've been a sponsor of Children Through Compassion and Baptist World. I had other organisations, and uh, I'm familiar with the not writing. Having been a few times now, uh, you know, especially the Transform Cambodia website online, it takes you about five minutes just to write a little note of encouragement and uh, connection with your sponsored child. The impact is enormous. I can't stress that enough. So let me encourage you in that. Well, today we begin a series, a series that we've called um, Ears to Hear. We, we called it Ears to Hear in the morning, and uh, we're kind of tweaking it a little bit in the evening with a slightly different approach, and it's called Shaken and Stirred. But I just want to uh, just give, give the disclaimer tonight that that tweaking of the evening messages uh, hasn't happened today. So this is the one message I'm just bringing to the whole church family uh, morning and evening today, which is more along the lines of Ears to Hear. But that, uh, that change of focus will happen next week as we move into the more of that shaken and stirred focus. But um, it's either way, the series is based on the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And some of you may know these letters to the churches uh, from Jesus himself. And uh, he concludes each of these letters with the phrase, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches and uh, by way of introduction to this theme and these letters our reading this evening comes from Hebrews 3 and 7 to 15 and I'm going to read that for you as it appears magically there Hebrews 3 7 to 15 so as the Holy Spirit says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years 
they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, The implication is that God speaks. God is speaking to his people. God is speaking to his church. But not all will hear his voice. Some will hear and others will not. Even tonight, as we worship together, as I bring what I believe is a word from the Lord to you this evening, some here tonight will hear God's voice and others will not. And there are some clear reasons why some will not have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Uh, in Matthew thirteen fifteen, Jesus describes the people of his day. He says, For these people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. You know, this is a very real danger for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus that our hearts become calloused. We become overly familiar with the things of faith. We end up replacing the dynamic life of the Spirit with dry religious routine. We become critical of the church. We become cynical. We become apathetic. We become undisciplined. And our hearts form calluses of doubt and unbelief. It can happen so easily. We lose the sharpness of our spiritual focus and we become blunt. You know, Paul says in Romans, don't lose your spiritual zeal. Don't lose that sharpness. It can easily happen. We lose the sharpness. We become blunt. And as a result, we don't see with our eyes the things of the Spirit. We don't hear with our ears the things of the Spirit. We don't discern with our hearts the ways of the Spirit of God. We don't turn from the ways of the world. Rather, we blend in with them, or at times we even embrace them. When the Word of God would say, turn from those ways and follow me. Let me ask you tonight, has that happened for you? Has your heart become calloused? See, for me, as I look back over my Christian walk many years now, I'd say there have certainly been times when I've been in danger of allowing a callus to form around my heart. Let me define callus for you, along with a fairly disturbing image. Uh, A callus is a thickened and hardened part of the skin or soft tissue, especially in an area that has been subject to friction. People get calluses on their hands, on their feet, usually 
a callus begins as a blister from uh, your shoes rubbing or your hands working in a way that they're not used to working. And so you form blisters and, uh, and it's painful. And over time, if that rubbing continues and you continue to wear those shoes or continue to work with your hands in that way, then your body actually does a very clever thing. It says, that hurts, actually, that blister that hurts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to form a, a hard protective layer of skin in that part of my body to stop the pain and to prevent that hurt from happening. You know, if you're a guitarist, apparently you get these calluses on your fingers from the frets. Well, that's essentially what happens with our hearts. So what can happen with our hearts, we go through pain. We all go through pain in life. If you haven't been through much yet, well, let me assure you, you will go through pain. It's part of life, pain of grief, pain of betrayal, of disappointment, of unforgiveness, uh, you know, the wounding words of significant others, relationship breakdown, marriage breakdown, family breakdown, uh, all those things cause pain and they hurt. And over time we say, well, that, you know, that doesn't feel good. And so often over time as a coping mechanism, we allow, we allow a protective layer to develop around our hearts, a layer that protects us from the pain, like a callus. But at the same time, it prevents any real meaningful relationship with other people because other people have hurt us before, so we're thinking, we're well, not going to allow that again. I'll form this callus around my heart. Most significantly, that callus prevents us from hearing and discerning the voice of God. That's what Jesus describes. Our hearts have become calloused. We no longer have ears to hear. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't allow that callus to form. And in fact, if a callus has formed, do something about that callus, which we'll come to in a while. Allow the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit, to be rubbed into that callus and to soften that skin around your heart. That in itself is a word from the Lord for some of us today. Some will hear it, some won't. Well, there's another reason why some will not have ears to hear. Let me... uh, illustrate with a simple illustration at our staff retreat a week or so ago down in Mandurah we met initially for coffee in the little cafe area and uh, turned out to be one of the most resonant spaces in the world you ever been in cafes like that where it's just like the noisiest thing you can imagine everyone's talking and this is the noises just bounce around it was a bit like that and after a while uh, Simon Ford's voice boomed out as we know it can trying to get our attention calling us to order because, you know, some of us hadn't seen each other for a while. We are in Cambodia and India and away on holidays and so there's all this laughter and this buzz of life. And uh, then Simon, I, I'm trying to do a Simon voice but I just can't do it. But he's kind of boomed out, trying to get our attention and calling us to order. And when uh, all, we were all quiet after a couple of goes from Simon, um, I noticed that there was music playing in the background. Just quietly, you know that quiet cafe music? Just playing in the background there, just not nice music. And I just had this sudden thought, that, that's been playing the whole time, that music. But actually none of us could hear it, because there's too much other noise going on. And in that moment, just sensed the word of the Lord coming to me to say, in the same way, I'm speaking to you all the time, actually. 
But how often is there so much noise in your life that you don't have ears to hear? See, often the voice of God is a still, small voice that we need to tune our ears to, a voice that's just easily drowned out by the noise and the clutter of life. Do we have ears to hear the voice of God? Uh, Jesus had a famous interaction with Mary and Martha. Uh, If you know about that interaction, you'll remember that Martha was a doer. She was always busy doing and she wasn't so good at just being. And so you might know people like that. They always have a plan. They always have a schedule, a, a project to work on, a deadline to meet. They're always rushing, always busy, always doing, always something on the go, never sitting still. Well, that was Martha. That's what Martha was like. In the meantime, she had a sister, Mary, who was just sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, just listening to what he had to say. Well, of course, that just drove Martha absolutely berserk. She couldn't stand that and just found that annoying. Uh, And in fact, uh, because there was so much work to do, in fact, Mary and Martha personalities often infuriate one another. Uh, Sometimes they marry one another, which is an interesting marriage dynamic. But they infuriate one another. And Jesus said very gently to Martha, Martha, you are anxious and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. And your sister Mary has chosen what is better. See, too often we live our lives, we live lives that are just overloaded with too much clutter, too much noise, too many emails, too many appointments, too much stuff going on, too many screens. These things for many of us have become like an appendage that we cannot be separated from, we cannot do without, uh, unless we miss out on something, maybe, uh, you know, something important that the Kardashians have been doing this week uh, or overnight. I've got to catch up with that. So some people can't, you know, as soon as they get up in the morning, they've got to make sure that they check Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and Reddit and Steemit and Vero. I don't even know what some of these things are. Does anyone know what Vero is? Anyone ever heard of that? Never heard of Vero? Well, watch out for it. Maybe avoid it. It's coming. Vero. I don't even know what it is. For some people, these things fill our minds and they fill our time and our existence and they prevent us, actually, from hearing the voice of God. God speaks the Bible's very clear about that. In fact, he speaks all the time. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 say this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Every morning, every single morning, there's this glorious sunrise. Most of us miss it, myself included. Every evening there's this magnificent sunset. Just beautiful. Through these things, God is speaking. He's revealing his majesty. If we believe the word of God in Psalm 19, these things in the heavens, they pour forth speech. God is speaking to us about these things. Ever sat and watched the the waves just crash on the ocean, on uh, on on the shore, on the beach? They never run out. It's just this constant crashing of waves, just a great reminder that God speaks to us about his, his faithfulness, his constancy. Every insect, every flower, every creature, every animal, just speak of God's, his creativity, his just marvelous attention to detail. And we should not only marvel at his creation, but we should attune our ears to hear his voice and to understand that God actually is speaking to us 
through these, uh, these aspects of his creation. All the time he's speaking to us, if we have ears to hear. 30 years ago, uh, a guy named Henry Blackaby wrote a book called Experiencing God. It's a great book, actually. It sold over 7 million copies. And in it, he makes a key statement about how God speaks today. And this is what he says. He says, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself and his purposes and his ways. You know, uh, I just believe with all my heart that that is a true statement. I'm going to take a few minutes to simply unpack that statement in these four ways that we should expect that God will speak to us if we have ears to hear. The first way is through the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the key primary way that we should expect that God will speak to us. And if we believe that, if we really believe that that's true, then this book, or whatever version you have in electronic form, or with, uh, some of you might not have seen this, uh, one of these, it's got pages and you know, I can turn them and that's the old kind of old-fashioned way, I still like that way. If we're serious about the Word of God and we believe that it's really His Word, then this will become our most treasured possession. It's the Word of God. It's God speaking. The pages are God-breathed, useful to us. Not irrelevant, useful to us in actually helping us to negotiate our pathway through life and life's challenges. That means if, if we're wise, we'll set aside time to spend in the Word and to read it and to study it and to immerse ourselves in it. There are many ways to do that. Uh, My belief is what we need, if I put it this way, is methodology without legalism. See, when it comes to Bible reading, there are two main dangers. One is randomness, and the other is rigidity. The first danger is that our reading becomes so random that it becomes a rarity. We have no system, we have no plan, we have no structure. So we end up just reading the bits that we like when we feel like it. If I don't, you know, don't feel like reading the Bible, I'm just not going to read the Bible because I'm free. So I'm just going to do whatever I like. Well, that's not what freedom is. But if we're not careful, our reading becomes so random. We just do stupid things like, I remember a guy saying to me one time, uh, well, you know what, I just allow my Bible to sort of fall open at, uh, at a random page and then I'll just, I'll just read. And that's how God speaks to me. So just randomly, my father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's like a, <laughs> just a blessing right there. No, that's not how it works, obviously. It's too random. So we need a little bit of structure. The other danger is that our reading is so rigid that it becomes this kind of legalistic box-ticking exercise where, you know, we just, it just becomes like a work, like another chore that we tick off, tick off our to-do list. And, uh, you know, you might have met people like that as well who are just extremely ordered and structured. Nothing wrong with order in your life, by the way, but we can become so ordered, it becomes rigid. I met people who say, you know, I bet God's impressed at my self-discipline. 
They don't say it, but it's what they're thinking in their head. You know, I get up at 5.30 every morning and read my Bible for 30 minutes. Do you know that God's impressed by that? And secretly, I'm hoping that someone's going to ask me about my quiet time so I can say, oh, well, (laughs) yes, I do get up at 5.30. No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. We need to avoid those dangerous extremes of being too random or too rigid. And uh, it's great, I reckon, to try some different things. This year, I'm uh, finding this resource... uh, It's called an NIV once-a-day Bible. Got a picture of it up there. It's called the NIV once-a-day Bible. There it is. And uh, I find it helpful because the the daily readings are numbered but not dated. So you can just read at your own pace. You can read the whole Bible. It'll take you through the whole Bible in a year if you read every single day. But it doesn't start with January 1. It just starts with day 1. So if it takes you two years or three years, it doesn't matter. It just helps you to keep track of what you've been reading. And uh, each day it gives you a bit of Old Testament, a bit of New Testament, and uh, something from the Psalms, and a little reflection. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes if you're a reasonably slow reader, even like me. Find something that works for you. There's heaps of resources there online, stuff in our bookshop, stuff at Kurong. Um, just find something that works for you. All right, number two. Number two is prayer. God speaks to us through the medium of prayer. Um, fair to say that reading the Bible is difficult. This is a difficult book to read. There are some bits which uh, seem boring and irrelevant. Uh, you come to them in the Old Testament. Uh, there are other bits that are hard to understand, but you know what? We're wise to persevere. And for most people, not only is reading the Bible difficult, but prayer also is difficult. And if I were to take a poll this evening and uh, I was to ask, who finds it really easy to pray? I don't think there'd be many hands. There might be one or two. There might be a few hands. People say, you know what? I love to pray and I find it really easy to pray. Not many people that that's true for. If I were to ask a different question and ask, who thinks that prayer is important? I reckon there'd be a few more hands. People say, well, not much of a prayer, but I do think, I do believe that prayer is important. But if I were to ask a different question again and say, who would say, I think prayer is important, but I'm not very good at it. And I think that I should pray more than I do now, or I wish that I would pray more than I do now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I reckon there would be quite a sea of hands across this room tonight. And as with reading the Bible, when it comes to prayer, some kind of structure is helpful. When the disciples asked Jesus about prayer, They came to him and they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? You notice that Jesus didn't say, well, just sit down by yourself in a room and just think some random thoughts about God and see how you go. He didn't say that. Instead, he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He wasn't saying pray these exact words and just repeat them over and over again. What he was doing is giving his disciples a structure, a sort of a framework they could use to pray. Use this as a guideline when you pray. Other people have uh, come up, uh, you might have, come, might have heard of a, uh, the, the ACTS method of praying. A-C-T-S. Stands for, it's been around for years and years. A is for adoration. C is for confession. T is for thanksgiving. S is for supplication. The great thing about that is there's just four things, four simple things. You can think to yourself, well, I'm going to pray for 20 minutes. That might seem like a daunting task for some people. 
Pray for 20 minutes. Good, that's what I'm going to do. Well, five minutes in each of those things. Five minutes of adoration. For five minutes, I'm just going to contemplate the vastness and the glory of God and give thanks to Him and recognize that He's with me. His presence is always with me. I'm going to look around at the things in creation and just acknowledge that God has created all of these things. That's adoration. Then we come to confession after five short minutes. You think you can confess all of your sins in five minutes? Probably not. Come to God and say, Lord, here's the things in my life that I know shouldn't be there. And I don't want them there. And I need your help, actually, to get these things sorted in my life. Five minutes of confession. Tea, Thanksgiving, five minutes. My goodness, that's going to go by in an instant. Just take five minutes to thank God just for the things in your life that are a blessing to you. And then the last five minutes, supplication, which most of us don't know what that means. It simply means um, just asking God. What am I going to ask God for? What's my request for God? And so that simple little structure of prayer can take you through 20 minutes of prayer. Just do the maths. Take an hour of prayer. Oh, an hour of prayer. How many do that? An hour of prayer. Just take 15 minutes for each of those letters. And uh, maybe that's some sort of structure in your prayer life that will help you. And as you pray, expect that God will speak. He wants to speak. He is speaking. Number three, God speaks through circumstances. If you um, read through the book of Jeremiah, you discover that Jeremiah has a number of experiences of God speaking to him through the everyday circumstances of life. You can discover these three examples in those three different chapters of Jeremiah. The first one, he's just at, uh, you know, Jerusalem Garden City or something, uh, buying a belt. And as he's buying this belt, actually the Lord says to him, go and buy a belt. Oh, right here, let's buy a belt. As he buys this belt, the Lord says, now I'm actually saying, I'm speaking to you through this act of you buying a belt. I've got something to say to you through that. You can find out what that is in Jeremiah 13. Jeremiah 18, he's uh, just wandering around the streets, Jeremiah, and he comes across this guy who's, um, you know, on a, he's got a potter's wheel and he's, uh, he's sitting at the wheel and he's, he's, you know, doing that, whatever he's doing with his foot and the things going around and he's making this pot. And God says to him, Actually, Jeremiah, in this everyday experience of your life of just seeing this bloke on the potter's wheel, I'm speaking to you in quite a powerful way. You are like that clay and I'm like the potter. There's this whole thing, this whole theology that comes out of that, and that simple experience Jeremiah had. By the time he's walking past the, uh, the gates of the temple and there's a, uh, there's a couple of baskets of figs, and uh, you know, he walks past and goes, yeah, figs. Well, it says, no, no, actually, look, I'm actually saying to you something about these baskets of figs. The ordinary, everyday experiences of life, as you just go about your day-to-day life, as you go to work, as you go to the office, as you go to uni, as you go to school, whatever it is that you do, the Lord may well be speaking to you. I've had many experiences like that, and they come about as a result of having ears to hear, ears that are attuned to the Spirit of God, And learning to ask the question, especially in unusual circumstances, Lord, are you saying something to me through these circumstances? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He isn't always saying something through every circumstance. But sometimes he is saying things to you through the ordinary circumstances of life. Lord, help me to hear your voice. Maybe he's speaking, maybe he's not. Always encouraged to test whatever that word might be against the scriptures, test it with other trusted believers. Someone would have come to me and say, oh, look, I just believe that God's calling me to leave my wife and hook up with this younger, gorgeous girl over here. 
No, that's not the voice of God. That's, that's your voice. That's somebody else's voice. You've got to discern what is the voice of God and test it against the Scriptures. It's very important. Blackaby makes the point that God speaks through both positive and negative circumstances and often it's in the midst of pain that God is speaking if we have ears to hear. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience. But he shouts in our pains. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. C.S. Lewis, the book is... uh, called The Problem with Pain. Great book. Number four, God speaks through the church. You know, uh, this week I was just contemplating my own childhood and looking back to my childhood, I uh, was thinking about the fact that I don't remember one single Sunday when my parents said to me as a kid, Nick, I don't think we'll go to church today. We're just going to go to the beach or I don't think we'll go to church today. We're just uh, going to have some family time. We've been, you know, we've been busy. Or I don't think we'll go to church today. We've just got some, uh, some chores to do around the house. So uh, instead of going to church, we're going to just catch up with some housework. Never happened. Not in my memory. Never happened. It's Sunday. We go to church and we worship as a family. That's what we do. Now, if you asked my dad about that today, I reckon he would say something like, yeah, we were probably a bit too rigid and legalistic about that whole church attendance thing when you were kids. And that's probably true. But you know what? The discipline of that practice instilled something in me that continues to shape my life today what I think of as the Matthew 6.33 principle where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will just kind of fall into place in your life. Give priority to the things of God in your life. Put God first. And attending church every week is not the be-all and end-all. God is not particularly impressed by our religious habits or rituals. But if you are serious about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then some sort of regular connection with and fellowship with the people of God will become an important priority for you. And if what Blackaby says is true, and I think that it is, then you should expect that as you place yourself in this environment, not just this environment, but any church environment, any regular committed place of fellowship where people are sincerely following Jesus, you place yourself in that environment and over time you will hear the voice of God speaking to you personally in this context of worship and of fellowship. And I know that for many people, myself included, that is our experience. Not every week, not every service, not every time, 
but at times, according to God's grace and according to God's timing, and very importantly, according to the state of my heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. The thing about hardness of heart is that God can deal with it, and he will deal with it if we'll allow him through the prophet Ezekiel. God says this, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And our prayer as ministry leaders, our prayer for this church, our prayer for you, our prayer for ourselves, is that together we will have ears to hear, that God will speak to us, that he'll give us ears to hear, that he'll put his spirit in us and that he'll move us to follow his ways even more closely. Well, what about you? We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.